What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the Boogie Wooker Man. Tell my people and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We're ready to go or what? Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now... They bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Trip of Wrestling, brought to you today and powered by our good friends over at Figures Toy Company. Head on over to figurestoycompany.com and relive the legends of professional wrestling as well as checking out the rising stars of professional wrestling with two action figure toy lines that are revolutionizing how you collect professional wrestling action figures in 2018 with the Legends of Professional Wrestling line featuring our podcast partner, the franchise Shane Douglas, James E. Cornette, Mikey Whipwreck, The Blue Meanie, Just Incredible, New Jack, and so many more. You never know who's going to pop up next in this line, but that's also why you should check out the rising stars of professional wrestling as well over at figurestoycompany.com and a little more about figurestoycompany.com and wrestlingsuperstore.com in just a couple of minutes. But if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only JP himself, John Paz. And John, today on the show, we welcome in the man known as the Darewolf, PJ Black, formerly known as Justin Gabriel, joining us today, almost 
almost, almost rounding out our Nexus collection. But PJ Black here to talk about so much more than just the Nexus in this interview tonight, where I got to tell you, he's somebody who uh, WWE completely missed the boat with PJ Black. He's gone on to do some amazing things in Impact Wrestling and Lucha Underground, and finally getting the opportunity to showcase what he can do on a big stage and show you the arsenal that he's got because he is basically a one-man highlight reel. And that Darewolf persona and everything that he does inside that squared circle is uh, is pretty awe-striking. Uh, but this interview is also very well-timed as he's coming off a giant weekend. Just absolutely so cool that he got back with a couple former Nexus tag team partners, a couple former guests of our show, teaming with Michael Tarver as well as Darren Young, a.k.a. Fred Rosser, this past weekend at Chikara. And, John, you could tell us a little bit more about that because that was a pretty cool reunion. But, again, just there's so much to talk about with P.J. Black, a guy who's still got a lot to offer. And uh, one of the things that I found really cool is that he's very humble, especially uh, where you kind of put him over and you, you say, you know, he's he's very well astute to the business and, and a great uh, technician inside there. And he was kind of humbled by that comment, but I'd completely agree with you. He's definitely uh, well beyond his years for what he's put into the business so far because he's uh, he's done a lot in a kind of short period of time. Yeah, you know what? He actually is, is a longer veteran of the business than you really would think because when he started in, in South Africa, it was basically the late 90s. So he's been in the business for a little bit over uh, around 20 years. So it's kind of been under the radar, and I guess he didn't really pick up steam until basically his FCW run and then the NXT, and then obviously with the Nexus and his WWE run. But he was one of those guys, and I'd love to say that, I'd love to get these guys on the show, but the underrated, underappreciated guys that are just a tremendous athlete, just a tremendous performer. Not only can he do you know the flips and the flops and the high-flying, but he is a great technical wrestler as well. He knows a lot of submission holds. So he's one of those guys I, I feel like, WWE totally dropped the ball on. He's one of those guys when the Nexus originally started, and you see all those guys getting pushed, you know, the Wade Barrett's, him, Heath Slater, Ryback. These are the guys like, man, I don't think they'll ever release these guys. These seem like WWE lifers. They're going to, you know, they're going to do some big things to be. But look, only Heath Slater is basically left out of those guys in Otunga, but Otunga's never on TV and they hardly ever use them. So Slater. Shockingly, he's the only one left, really, from that Nexus group. And when you think of Barrett, he's gone. Ryback's gone. Gabriel's gone. Those were kind of like the three shining stars of the group, or so you would have thought. But, you know, he went on to do some great things. You mentioned this past weekend at uh, Chikara with the Trios Tournament. Obviously, Tarver and Darren Young, a.k.a. Fred Roster, they kind of reform the nexus a little bit so that was very very cool and very different to see the nexus back together but of course chad you know we had to mention the msg show where the nexus made a, a huge impact back about uh, eight years ago or so that we were at and of course we do talk about summer slam 2010 as well there's so much to talk about with the nexus in itself i mean it's uh it's an enigma in the uh the annals of wwe history because Still, you can sit here eight years later and shake your head and, and say what they could have done with these guys had they gone over in that big SummerSlam match, which, you know, now we've gotten, what, four or five different perspectives on it. And uh, everybody's kind of in the consensus that, yeah, they should have gone over. And uh, John Cena 
really put the brakes on it. Uh, but Justin Gabriel looked to be the uh, the underrated standout guy of that group because Wade Barrett is obviously the leader. He was the star that they were trying to build. But when you think about the Nexus beatdowns, what was the finish? It was Justin Gabriel coming off with the splash. And, uh, I mean, this guy, he hit that on Vince McMahon. He hit it on uh, The Undertaker. I mean, every guy that they took out, Justin Gabriel was the one who would literally seal the coffin, so to speak, without using an Undertaker pun there, but he'd be the last guy to kind of take his shot at you coming off that top rope. So they, they looked to be poised to do big things with, with Justin Gabriel, but uh, yeah, they just, they didn't. He'd hang on for a while. He'd do a lot of cool stuff. He'd team with Tyson Kidd and get a little bit of momentum, but then, you know, he ends up underneath the bunny costume and that was always a uh, little bit of a rib that we'd heard for years that Oh, Justin Gabriel, this great athlete, this great performer, he's under a bunny costume. And it seemed like by the time he was out of the WWE, he he had so many great things to do. And that's why I think his runs in Lucha Underground and, and in Impact, I mean, this guy beat Bobby Lashley in Impact Wrestling. So obviously there was big plans for him in some booker's eyes. And uh, you guys kind of get to explore that today. I think uh, this is something that I think the listeners will really take away from, is that Justin Gabriel, a.k.a. PJ Black, really really misused in the hands of uh, vincent kennedy mcmahon and it's interesting that we go into quite a bit of you know backstage or behind the scenes stories as far as possible storylines and how basically you know a lot of the guys they kind of just sit back and they let things happen but he brought ideas forward to them 20 ideas 30 ideas just throwing stuff at him so you could tell he's got a great mind for the business his father was a wrestler so you know that's what kind of I think a part of why he's so in tune with the business and knows he's got to give ideas and knows that he can't just be a writer writing stuff. You know, there's got to be a collaboration. So when we go to the part where he's telling great stories about him coming up with all these ideas and different storylines, basically Vance or Triple H kind of shooting him down. And, you know, a lot of it doesn't make sense. And it's just weird. It's like, man, what are they thinking about? Where are they going? Because if you watch a lot of WWE today, storylines are pretty terrible, you know, no offense, but they are. And I mean, there's not really much going on. The booking isn't great. So it's like, wow, when a guy is that smart in business and has that much kind of thought put into what he's saying, you kind of would want to listen to him, not only for his own storylines and his own stuff that he's coming up with, but it's almost like pick his brain and maybe he can help out the rest of the booking committee and get some creative ideas going because I loved that Donnie Darko kind of bunny character that he created. I mean, that was such a cool idea. When you get to that part of the interview, you're going to laugh because there's a little bit of a twist and turn involving that storyline. And I really liked a lot of the stuff he was saying about the angel and the wolf character, the dare wolf character. I mean, he's got, damn, he's got so many good ideas and it's kind of a shame that they never really did anything or they never really used any of that. So it's one of those things. It's like, man, did they drop the ball or what? And then they really dropped the ball because they got a guy that's coming up with great creative ideas and hell, they're just, uh, they're not using them. Yeah, it's a shame, but he has gone on to do a lot of great things and that's what's most important. And it seems like that's the, uh, the, the chic thing these days is to, to kind of go out of the WWE realm and prove yourself, whether it's in a promotion or whether it's promoting your own show to uh, 10,000 plus people, uh, as long as you can do it and you can be successful then obviously you get the last laugh. Uh, but I guess we're not going to focus on the core too much tonight. We're talking about the Nexus. Huh. <laughs> we're not going to focus too much on the core. So with the core and the Nexus in mind, why don't you give us a WWE 
network prediction, or excuse me, suggestion for uh, PJ Black uh, during his Justin Gabriel days, or maybe even his Justin Angel days, if we go a little bit into the FCW vault on the WWE Network. Oh, we do talk a little bit about that, but I got to say for the network recommendation, it is wbnetwork.com slash TMPT for your free month of the WWE Network. Again, that is wbnetwork.com slash TMPT. I got to kind of go generic here just because I want a lot of the fans that haven't seen it to watch this match. SummerSlam 2010, the seven-on-seven match, the Nexus versus Team WB. I want you to go back and watch it, not because I think it's a great match or anything like that. It's one of those things where it's a monumental mistake and a monumental downfall. We talk about this with uh, PJ Black in the interview at great length. So it means you got a lot of good stuff and a lot of good stories, including some backstage stories about some guys admitting how much of a blunder it was. But I almost want you to go back and watch it and rebook it and think to yourself, how would I have booked it? What would I have done differently? How would I have booked the finish? So that is WBnetwork.com slash TMPT for your free month. And I'm suggesting SummerSlam 2010. Go to the main event. Nexus versus Team WB and a seven-on-seven elimination match. <laughs> Before we... Uh... We get to the big rap. Now, would you change the finish if Bret Hart was to put every single one of them in the sharpshooter and tap them all out? I wouldn't mind that. That, would, that wouldn't have been bad. It would have been better <laughs> than, what, than, what they, uh, than what he did. <laughs> I figured you'd say that. I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, because, hey, Nexus was intertwined with Bret Hart for a couple of months. So it's pretty, uh, it's pretty cool to see that Bret Hart was in that match. That's To me, that's one of the highlights that you get. Is uh, as well as and John. I mean, how can you not mention the return of Daniel Bryan, the triumphant return mm. of uh, of Daniel Bryan as well. But with all that being said, we want to thank PJ Black for spending the time with us this week and uh, sitting down to uh, to to get this interview out there, especially with how timely it was coming off Chikara and the reunion of the Nexus. So uh, you know, hey, listen, enjoy, and support PJ Black and everything that he's got going on. And as well as please support our partnership here with Figures Toy Company. You heard me talk about the legends of professional wrestling as we started the show. But let's talk a little bit more about the rising stars of professional wrestling. And with the big all-in pay-per-view that just took place, why don't you head on over to figurestoycompany.com and wrestlingsuperstore.com. Check out the array of the rising stars of professional wrestling that are on there. And if you don't see somebody that you're looking for, trust me, they're probably in the works because you think about some of the guys that were on the all-in show and they will have a figure coming your way. Especially I'm thinking about a guy from our home state there, John. Joey Janela has a figure coming out. We watched Joey Janela in his early days of wrestling in the NWS down there in central New Jersey. So uh, keep your eyes on the rising stars of professional wrestling action figure line, buy figures, toy company, and pick up whoever they've got today, whether it's Jeff Cobb or Colt Cabana or a Sammy Callahan or even a Tamatanga. There's so many choices, over 30 of them to be exact. So get on over there right now, check them out, support us, support them, and let's do it all as a family, as a unit. And with all that being said, why don't we do this? Let's wrap it up in a nice little package. Let's get it on over to PJ Black. Let's get this show on the road. And John hit us with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. 
Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And now, without any further ado, a former FCW World and Tag Team Champion, a former TNA King of the Mountain Champion. He is also a former three-time WWE World Tag Team Champion. You may know him as Justin Gabriel, but we know him as the Darewolf. He is P.J. Black. Please enjoy. champion, a former FCW world and tag team champion. He is a three-time former WWE world tag team champion. You may know him as Justin Gabriel or the Darewolf. We know him as PJ Black. PJ, welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. Now, I just got to talk about this first because it happened pretty recently, and that is the Nexus kind of so, so to speak, or sort of, kind of coming back together for the Trios tournament, the King of Trios, down in uh, Chikara Wrestling. What was it like getting the, the band back together, so to speak? I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Um, the guy, Mike Quackenbush from Chikara, came up with this idea quite a few months ago, actually, you know, because obviously there was a lot of things happening this weekend, so he made sure he got us booked, you know, because we had all in this weekend. It was Lucha Expo, and there was a bunch of other big wrestling events happening around the country, which we can talk about later, uh, which is phenomenal, actually. Um, it was really fun. It was, I haven't seen the guys in quite a long time, and the, one of the most important things is Chikara has, has always been on my bucket list of wrestling, things to do that I want to do in wrestling. You know, I've pretty much accomplished uh, everything I set my 
set out to do, you know, like WrestleMania, I was working at Madison Square Garden, Arena in Mexico, Kurgan Hall, and, like, funny enough, Chicago was on that list because, you know, I grew up watching, not not grew up, but, like, <laughs> in uh, my middle age, I, uh, I I studied a lot of Mike Quackenbush's stuff, and he coincidentally studied uh, Johnny Saint, which is also a favorite wrestler of mine. Awesome stuff. I mean, Quack is, he's such a great wrestler, and I'm from New Jersey, so I used to always see him, you know, throughout the 90s and stuff and early 2000s, all the way, you know, in, in local gyms and, and stuff, and I used to always see him, like, man, this guy is so good, he's so talented. It's weird, you know, that he kind of didn't make it, not make it further, but, you know, he wasn't really on WV's radar, because they were kind of the land of the Giants for a while, but he was just somebody that I always kind of grew up like, and I, I like that you kind of uh, felt the same way. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, he's very unique. He's a he's a student of the game, and everyone who studies wrestling, you know, like old and new, you know, a lot of kids get into wrestling these days for different reasons, and, you know, like us who grew up in, like, the 80s and 90s, that was the fun characters, but if you go further back, wrestling has, has come a long way, and there's so much wrestling before that, you know, like um, Dr. Tom Pritchard used to always say what what's old is new, and what's new is old, you know, and, like, Johnny Sainz is, like, one of one of the all time best when it comes to like hold and move for move wrestling and Mike Quackenbush, like you said, studied him and he, he got a lot of stuff from that era and from the Lucha Libra era which he mixed together and yeah, I think he's fantastic, man. I've always been a fan of his work. And Shikara is so interesting. They kinda have like a weird vibe about him as far as some of the angles and storylines and characters and I know he kind of got it from some different leagues not only a little bit of Lucha Libre a little bit of this little that obviously a little bit of British wrestling but Argentina also had kind of a weird wrestling that he kind of took from I just think it's pretty cool that he does this annual trios tournament and, and gets this together because you, you see all these interesting pairings like the Nexus coming back together yeah yeah totally I mean and like I said I've been watching the trios tournament for years and years and years so it was it was on my bucket list um, of wrestling, um, yeah, he's, he's done a he's done a fantastic job with Shikara. I I really one of my favorite things from the weekend was the positive vibe and the positive energy. You know, like um, it's a, it's a PG show, although there aren't not too many kids, which is which I thought was fantastic. And we, you know, he focuses a lot on the characters and storytelling, which is a lot of another kind of like lost art in, in our in our business these days. Yeah, I, I had so much fun. It was such a positive experience. Even my 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 colleague uh, Tyson Tarver, who we all know is not the happiest guy in the world, even he walked away like very like just positive and uplifting, and be like, you know what? Maybe I, maybe we do have one more run in us. <laughs> <laughs> it, it would be great to see kind of the Nexus kind of reappear because it's kind of you know they faded I think a little too quickly, but. Just quickly before I jump into that, I just wanted to kind of mention, obviously, uh, Darren Young was with you, um, you know, uh, Michael Tarver. So some of the band was back together, not the whole band. No, yeah, it was just a trios tournament. Um, we've been, uh, a lot of people have been trying to book the whole band, and we just, you know, there's a lot of us, so it's very hard to to coordinate dates, if you will. Um, you know, but I, I feel like it will happen sometime, whether it's on the Indies or on TV, who knows? I kind of have a good feeling about this. I don't know why I think this. I feel like uh, if you watch WWE TV, they focus a lot on, like, trios and, like, and, and factions these days, and they just at that angle with the, with the shield again. And, like, you know, I feel like I feel like now would be a good time. Who knows? I mean, there, there was some, with some um, rumors going around a couple of months ago about it, but uh, that's just what someone told me, and I was like, well, no one contacted me about this, so 
yeah, who knows? <laughs> Until they do, you got to just treat it as a you know as a crazy rumor, but you right. never know. Right. As far as you know, you got on the independent scene, and you know, kind of like like we said briefly, kind of uh, having the Chikara this weekend and. Uh, Lucha Expo, then All In. Did you get a chance to see or, or read or hear anything about All In? Because that was kind of all the craze. Oh, yeah. I mean, I haven't watched it yet. I'm I'm about to watch it tonight or maybe tomorrow when I get time. I mean, I definitely want to see it. Um, it was very hard to mess on social media. You know, you can just go into any social media. And, it. I mean, I'm not sure if it trended or anything, but, I mean, you see pictures on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook all the time, you know. I mean, I've, I've already seen clips of all the matches and the segments and everything, so I'm actually very excited to watch it back. It is pretty cool that, in, you know, a league, not as far as just being like Ring of Honor or New Japan or something like that, but like an in-straight independent promotion is able to do something has nothing to do with WWE and draw 11,000 fans. Is that something that you look at and you're like, wow, you know, this is a real bright spot for wrestling, or do you think that... WWE is going to come lurking in some way and try to kind of knock this off of its perch? Uh, a little bit of both. I, I've said this for the last two years, actually. It's a, it's a fantastic time to be a wrestler right now, but it's an even better time to be a fan right now, you know, because you can literally just go on YouTube and, you know, Chicago has a streaming site, High Spots has a streaming site, like all these companies, all these companies from the UK have streaming events right now. So you can you can literally watch any wrestling you want in the world, which I think is fantastic. It, it's kind of like we live in a, a cyber territory era, if you will. <laughs> um, hmm. But I, I think I think it's it's fascinating. I think it, it's great for the business. I think it's great for fans. I think it's great for wrestlers because it gives us different places to work, and it just shows that you don't have to be on WWE TV to to be a bona fide star these days, you know. And uh, that's what I find really cool about it. I do think that WWE will somehow try to get their finger in the pie because you can see that's what they've done with Evolve. They they really just want to buy as much uh, footage for the network as possible. And that's fine. That's just, that's just a business, right? You see that with uh, like Netflix and Hulu and all these streaming sites. They just want to build up content. That's what it is. I feel like cable is going to disappear in a few years from now. Um, and it's always going to be these streaming sites uh, in the same breath. Like WWE just signed that big deal with Fox. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So I feel like it's a, it's a new era in wrestling and wrestling is cool again. You know, like it's like, it's not like a, like, when I was a kid, it was only a very small number of, of kids who, who really liked wrestling. I feel like wrestling touches a lot of people, you know, from all walks of life. And I think, it, yeah, it's a, it's a great time. Like, we'll, we'll see what WWE has to say about it. Obviously, the WWE office and all the talent watched all in. So I'll be very curious to see what happens from here on. So cool that they were able to do that, and there was no kind of interference with WWE. But it's funny, you know, they're like that uh, that shadow. It's like you see them creeping in close and closer. You know that they're definitely going to want to get their hand in that pie and kind of uh, get as much as they can, whether it's maybe stealing some talent, whether it's you know somehow getting some of that footage or some of the content or some of that vibe. They definitely seem like. Um, they're playing it coy and playing it quiet right now, but I'm, I'm a little nervous for the guys at all in because you never know what they have up their sleeves. True, it's true, and I mean you see it all the time, you know, like like uh, uh, Europe. When I when I started back on the Indies after my WWE departure, like three was it three years ago, four years ago, whatever it was, like Europe, like England was booming, and and uh, and they knew that, you know, like 
eighty percent of my shows were over there. I was flying over almost every weekend, and you know, money is great, and then and then the attendance was great. There were so many companies, so many. Um, they had a huge following every single company, and WWE came in, and that's why they started the UK tournament or the UK title and, and stuff like that. And uh, uh, you see that they they're doing WWE is doing the um, the big pay per view from Australia because Australia right now is hot too for indie wrestling. Like there's so many good companies out there, so so many good talented young athletes, and uh, yeah, that's why they want to get in there. So I feel like WWE kind of watches everything, and they're like, okay, this is the next direction we have to go, and then. You know that's a it's a big business. Like I don't I don't blame them for it. But it's, uh, that's just that's just how they roll. It is funny because you'll see like Progress Wrestling in the UK is huge. You'll see yep. World of Sport is coming back, and all of a sudden, you know they take Johnny Saint and then they create NXT UK and they say that he's the GM. And you know you have Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate and all these great wrestlers that are kind of throwing it to there. So you're right. It's almost like okay, who can we use? to counteract what they're doing and get a piece of the pie and, and try to create that market. I mean, you, you nailed it on the head for sure, especially in the UK area in Australia. Mm-hmm. No, totally. And that, I mean, that's, we're going to see a lot more of it in the next few years, but, which is great. I think it's great because, I mean, WWE needs competition. Like sometimes I just wish that like, ROH or TNA would get as big as WCW did back in the day. I mean, can you imagine like how exciting was like WWE versus like Nitro versus Raw? I mean, what an exciting time that was, you know, like if we can create something like that again, I mean, not only for fans, but for wrestlers, it would be exciting because we'll have different places to go and, you know, people can negotiate different deals and different contracts. I feel like, I mean, looking at all my friends who get signed by WWE right now and I listen to the deals they got and I'm like, that's terrible. Like, you can make so much more money on the indies right now because the indies are booming, but, you know, everyone wants that WWE paycheck. And, I again, I don't blame them for it because if I was in the same position, I would have gone there because I wanted that WWE paycheck. But luckily, I've, I've been there, and I feel like now I'm doing the best work that I've done in my whole life, and I'm, you know, I've already had that under my belt as an experience. So I feel like, yeah, for, for me personally, I, I love being on ladies right now. Isn't that crazy that you can kind of leave the WWE and be happier and make more money just because of the state of the indies right now? I mean, people sometimes when they used to leave WWE, it's like, oh, Screw it, you know, I'm done wrestling, or, you know, that's the end of the run. But not anymore. Were you kind of surprised to see, like, so many of these independents not doing just well, but, I mean, really, really doing well where they can pay the talent more on a nightly basis than almost a WWE deal? Yeah, no, I was I was definitely surprised. I mean, I didn't expect that. I, I did know that uh, there's a lot of shows around and there's a lot of good talent out there, and that was my goal at first was just to, I didn't care about anything else. I just wanted to, I love wrestling, obviously. It's my blood. This is what I've always wanted to do. I'm living out my dream every single day. So for me, it was just great wrestling, like different, different kids. Like there's so many good athletic kids and different characters on the Indies right now. There's so many companies out there. And when I, when I started back on the Indies, I just started wrestling all these kids. And, you know, I still learn every day. Like before Eddie Guerrero died, he told me, he goes, man, I learn something new every day. And to me, he was one of the best. And, you know, like, now that I'm on the Indies, I do learn it. But whether the guy is good, bad, it doesn't matter. You learn something new every day. And that's why you'll see that wrestling has kind of evolved. I mean, look at 10 years ago. Look at 20 years ago. Like, I feel like wrestling just keeps on evolving, and especially where we are right now. And, yeah, like, I cannot put over enough how, how what a cool time it is in wrestling. It is kind of crazy. I think 2018, like, wow, you can watch... You know, WWE, WWE on the WWE Network, it's going to be on Fox, 
obviously primetime TV. They're going to be on USA. But not only that, then you got the High Spots Network. You got the Global Wrestling Network. I mean, I mean, literally anything and everywhere where you want to watch wrestling, pretty much get it at your fingertips. 2018 is amazing. When you think about it, you know, is WB almost not even something like that to get back at? You know what I mean? Is that even on your radar to go back? Or is that something where you're like, you know what? Been there, done that. I don't need to do that ever again. It's just too many other options out there that are better off. It's funny you say that. Like that, it changes all the time. Like uh, when I left, I was like, okay, been there, done that. I'm good. Let me try some other stuff. You know, I, I still want to go to like, Japan and like there's a bunch of other companies that I still want to work for on my bucket list and that I think I would fit in well. But every once in a while, I'm like, man, I, I, maybe I should go back just one more run. You know, like just I just want closure because I don't feel like as a singles competitor, I got a good run or like a good showing. You know, and I and uh, I, I feel like when I left, too, it was kind of abrupt and stuff like that. But uh, I feel like as a performer and as a person and, and, a, and a wrestler, an athlete, whatever you want to call it, I've grown. And I, I feel like my weaknesses back then are now my strong points. And, you know, I could, you just keep getting strong. I feel like when it, while in the WWE, you kind of don't evolve. You know, you just do what you get told and you kind of just stay the same. And that's why they sign a lot of the indie guys. You know, you've seen this with Kevin Steen and uh, Finn Bella and AJ and all these guys that were were great performers on the indies and now they're doing well on TV. So, you know, like every once in a while, I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe I will go back. You know, like if, if, if they come to me with a good storyline, I don't even care about money right now. Like if they come to me with a good storyline that has a good payoff for WrestleMania or maybe it's a Nexus storyline or something like, like that, obviously I'm going to consider it. I mean, I'm not going to turn anything down, but and uh, if he spoke to me like a year ago, I would have said, no, never. But one thing I learned from Vince is never say never. <laughs> That's a great uh, Vince line, or a great uh, Vince yep. quote. <laughs> you know, you, you did ask, I guess I guess the story goes, you asked for your release from the WWE. First of all, is that true? And if you did ask for your release, why? I did, I did. Um, many different reasons, like I said. For like two years, I was just sitting, going to TV every week. People don't realize, like, if, you, if you're not on TV, you still have to fly in. I don't know if it's the same till this day. But, uh, yeah, I would just fly to TV and just sit there. And you know how boring it is if you don't do anything. You sit in catering for, like, 10 hours, 8 to 10 hours. You get very boring and depressing. You see all your friends, like, doing these cool storylines and having fun and wrestling and, like, you know, like... Uh, and I pitched so many different stories. I even went back to NXT, worked on a different character. That's where the Daryl character comes from. I worked on. A, I even worked on that Bunny character, which is going to be like a Bunny Darko character. I worked on. I pitched all these different things, and everything was just just got shut down, shut down. And you know, like by my spirit, kind of got broken. I was like, hmm, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Like maybe my ideas do suck. Maybe you know. And then I kind of just I was in a bad place at the time, and. I was like, man, I still want to wrestle, and they're not using me. Then, you know, I, I had the occasional superstars match, maybe once a month, and just it just wasn't enough for me. So I was like, maybe I'll quit and go, you know, Japan, or like, just let me see what's on the Indies because I still want to work. And you know, Vince kind of like understood that. He was like, you know, go do your thing. I know what you want to do. Uh, Hunter wasn't that forgiving, but I feel like he, if he sees me now, he'll he'll understand my journey. <laughs> <laughs> So you, when you ask for your release and that goes down, how did like how does that actually go down? You just basically meet with Vince, you meet with Triple H, and you said, "Well, you know, I'm not being used. I, you know, I feel like I could be doing what I love 
outside of, of WB and kind of hit the independence and see what I can do? Or is it something where you have to schedule a meeting with them? Like, how does that all go down? Yeah, well, technically you have to have scheduled meeting and all that stuff. But I, I was, I kind of like did it very abruptly. I was, um, we were at TV and I wasn't being used, so I kind of like left early and I went skydiving the, the, the one week. And then the, the following week, I was like, you know what, the same thing is going to happen. So I did the same thing. I just booked this trip. And then in the third week, I think it was third or fourth week, we were in Austin, Texas, and I was like, fuck it, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go. I left the building and I went skydiving and then they called me for a segment and I was like, uh, well, and I was kind of like on the spot and I was just super high adrenaline spike off this jump and everything. And I was just like, you know what, just, just tell them I'm not going to come back to work. Like I, I'll speak to you guys on the weekend and you know, like the, they have a damage control guy who's like the fall guy and they, they kept calling me and he's like, let's work this out. Let's work this out. But by that time it just felt so good. I was like, cause I kind of felt free. And I was like, you know what? I, I don't think I'm going to come back to work. Uh, and then we kind of like negotiated my release from there. It is kind of funny and it is kind of cool. You're like, you know what? I'm going to go skydiving. Screw this. <laughs> yeah. I love that, you know, you, you have that attitude and you kind of just did that. So they were they kind of really, really pissed that you kind of did that or did they were more understanding than you would have kind of thought they would be? Um. You know, it's hard to say because most of it was done over the phone. And while the one guy said he was doing damage control and trying to help me out, I I did make a lot of friends with the people in the office. So I I, I knew what was really happening. And he was kind of just playing devil's advocate. Mm. Um, And I'm sure some people were not happy because I probably should have done it in a little bit better way or called a meeting or something. But, uh, you know, like, I mean, worse things have happened in wrestling. And they've, they've... taken back people that have done worse to the company so that's why I say never say never and then, you know, if, if they want to if they want to like ex me for that for the rest of my career then I'm also okay with that you know because it, it, it is kind of my fault but uh you know I don't think it was that bad compared to what other people have done to them oh I've heard much worse I mean, I've heard some old, old, heard some ultimate warrior stories that are oh yeah <laughs> pretty uh, pretty bad so, you know, you said, you know, you had some ideas. Obviously, you mentioned the bunny character and the Donnie Darko thing, which is an unbelievable movie. And that bunny is so freaky, but but in a cool kind of way, kind of freaky. What was your idea for that bunny? Because that would have been, if it's the Donnie Darko, dark bunny kind of weird character, that's pretty damn cool. So I have a bunch of different ideas. I'll give you one that uh, that kind of, like, kind of sparked the interest a little bit, which I thought they were going to run with, but never did, which uh, was heartbreaking to me. So I I figured, like, because you followed the storyline with the bunny and Adam Rose, right? So mm-hmm. my idea was let the bunny slowly become dark, like a dark bunny. You know, like he gets depressed or he gets moody or he gets, like, he doesn't want to be this happy character anymore and in, in the background of Adam Rose. So he becomes like the, kind of like the Donnie Darko character, right? Very dark. Maybe there's, like, a shot of him backstage sitting like like and he has like dried blood on his fur maybe smoking a cigar and there's ash on him and he's just grizzled you know he's just he's just beat up like he doesn't want to be there anymore um <laughs> and then but, but he does these hard cold matches and he never wins he never wins kind of never gets anywhere he just gets more disgruntled and more mad and more angry and more ugly you know like the fur is all like maybe burned and there's dried blood and you know he becomes like 
it would have been if, it, if that was the attitude era that bunny would have been the most over character ever <laughs> hmm. but unfortunately it wasn't and they knew that too they were like yo if this was that era, this would have worked but maybe this is too dark you know since we're going the pg way you know and it could have been anyone like if it, the bunny's head came off it could have been anyone at, at one stage it could have been Jeff Hardy, it could have been Kurt Angle, maybe it would have been me, but my idea was, no matter who it is, people won't be shocked. The only thing that'll make people shocked is, as as an example, I pitched this, I was like, so maybe the bunny gets hurt for real, and the the ref throws up the X, and there's a backstage segment where they pull the the head off of it, and and all along it was Vince. Like, Vince was like, why the hell would I do that? I was like, because you're a crazy billionaire, that's what I would do if I was a crazy billionaire. You know, like how 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 funny would that storyline have been? I mean, it wouldn't it obviously wouldn't have been him in the bunny suit, but just for that reveal segment, I think I thought it would, would have been great. Damn it, that is genius! I'm surprised he didn't like that. That is great. <laughs> yeah, they never seem to like ideas if it's if it's not from them. Hmm, that is the the hard part, I guess, dealing with the creative over there and dealing with some of those guys. I mean, that is such a cool idea, and I love how dark and disturbed and the hardcore matches and almost like the bitterness of the bunny. I mean, that is such a great idea. I don't know. Maybe I guess you could just say, I guess the timing wasn't right on their part to kind of pull the trigger on that one. Probably. Yeah. Like, and like I said, if it was attitude era, they would have been all over that. It's just maybe it was a timing issue and, you know, and maybe they didn't have faith in you pulling that off. I mean, but that was just one idea. I had maybe 20, 30 different ideas for the bunny alone. And then the Daryl's character. I mean, I had a bunch of it. The angel character, there's a bunch of different ones, and I just even even when I just left, that's when the network just started, and they told us to come up with shows. And I wrote about ten different shows, which you know I just got shut down the whole time, and I just kept thinking, I was like, maybe my ideas aren't good. Maybe you know I kind of like felt I, I felt worthless, you know, and, that, and that's one of the main reasons I left. One of the shows that that I actually pitched over and over was the 205 Live show, by the way, which I'm I'm happy to see that they're actually going with right now. Interesting. How did you kind of push it? You basically said just create a cruiserweight show? I, I did, yeah. It was me, Dean Malenko, and Jamie Noble, obviously very well-known cruiserweights, which are their agents backstage, and we, we just kind of talked about it. I don't know whose idea it was, but we kept pitching it. We kept pitching it to them, and we're like, we have a network. We have a we need, we need content. We have, like, all this airtime that we could potentially put anything we want on, and it was just, uh, I think that, that was just a timing thing. I think if I was still around, maybe that I mean, maybe that would have happened sooner, but, or maybe I planted the seed, who knows? I mean, I don't want any credit for it. I'm just very happy to see that they, they're actually doing it right now. It seems to be finally, after like basically a year, it seems like it's finally catching a little bit uh, of wind as far as Mustafa Ali and Cedric Alexander and Buddy Murphy. So it seems like it's finally starting to catch a little bit of wind, but just because, not because they're pushing it, but just because those guys are having good matches. Right, yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's the reason I pitched it, because we had so many talented guys on the roster who was just sitting around doing nothing. So many talented guys in developmental who was just sitting around doing nothing. And so many more guys on the independent circuit that we could have signed if we wanted. And now at least they're doing that, so that's great. Now, I wasn't sure if this was actually true. The Adam Rose character, was that originally supposed to be you, or was that always supposed to be him? Supposed to be him, but when I started wrestling, I, that's the character I played. And the, the, that character was also loosely based on my real life, because for a long time, I was known as this, like, party animal. And my, my, my nickname at Lucha actually till today is Spring Break. 
because that's like <laughs> I'm not like that anymore at all. But like in my early twenties and thirties, that's that that was basically me. <laughs> that is great, but you know, obviously, you know, he played that character. You were his bunny, but you did mention like the Darewolf or the wolf character. You actually pitched that in WWE as well. Like you wanted to play that character. I did, I did. I actually, I actually filmed my own vignettes, you know, me doing stuff that I normally do, like space jumping, skydiving, I did some snowboarding clips, there was some big wave surfing, I taught myself how to do a backflip on a motorcycle. Uh, but here's all kinds of extreme sports, little clips of me doing it, this, this whole vignette, and I, I remember actually showing it to Vince in his office one day, and there was a clip of, um, after like two or three minutes of watching this clip, he looks at me and he's like, man, I didn't know you could juggle. Because one of one of the clips I was juggling these fireballs, which I bought off Amazon, and that <laughs> that was the only only clip that he remembered from the whole three minutes of me trying to film it. Yeah, and, I, and again, nothing nothing happened from there. And uh, I wanted to ride my motorcycle to the ring. I had this little um, tiles bike, which I don't know if you're familiar with. It's like a motocross bike without a seat, so you can do like all these like DMX tricks on it. And he was like, "Yeah, that's a that's a great idea. Why don't you bring it to work next week?" And obviously, Raw is in a different state every week, so I don't, I don't know how he thought I was going to bring it to. I think we were in Tennessee that week. I don't even remember. Um, so I kind of like looked at the schedule, and I looked at when I, I was living in Tampa, Florida at the time, and I looked at the schedule when we were going to be in Tampa, and it was like a month away. And you know, I had everything ready. I had the outfit ready. Like uh, there's some photos floating around. I did my own photo shoot. I brought the motorcycle to work, and I was so excited to show him. And then he had a family emergency; he had to fly back that morning, and I was like, damn. So I tried to get a hold of Hunter. I was like, yo, can you just come check this out? Like, I'm in the parking lot doing some donuts with his motorbike and doing some wheelies. <laughs> and he was busy also because Vince wasn't there, so he got to run the show. Um, so I grabbed one of the camera guys and just filmed some stuff. But again, yeah, nothing happened from that. Damn, the timing seems to be just a little off each cool idea you have. I know. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's just timing. Maybe it's the right time, right place. I mean, the Nexus thing, too, that was the right time, right place, you know, so maybe that's kind of my balance. You know, me getting signed, that was me being the right time, right place. So maybe, maybe yeah, maybe all those things weren't supposed to happen if you believe in stuff like that, you know, but maybe, which makes me believe in the future, what maybe some of my ideas will come to fruition, or maybe I will be in the right place at the right time again, who knows. Like, uh, I think I'll, I'll, I'll definitely become a more positive person from this experience that I've lived in the last few years, which, like you said, when most people leave WWE, they become very negative and angry towards the company and just kind of like wrestling in general. I think I've gone the other way. Now, you mentioned perfect timing for the Nexus debut. Obviously, you know, you, you did the NXT show. It was kind of a little hokey, a little corny, but it all kind of led to you guys becoming pissed off and you show up on Raw during the John Cena CM Punk match and that debut was so awesome and so cool. And we had the chance to talk to Ryback. We talked to Darren Young. We talked to Heath Slater we just talked to. I mean, so many of the, the Nexus guys we talked to, they all said the same thing. When it was together and you guys did that debut on Raw, it was just something electric about it, something different about it, something cool about it. You had that same feeling? No, totally, totally. I mean, these days it's very hard to come up in wrestling terms, come up with something very unique and something that's never been done before because everything you see has been is recycled storylines, right? That's happened before because what's old is new, what's new is old. I feel like that was something very unique at the time 
and uh, we didn't know how big it was going to be, but you know, like we, they gave us a ball for a little bit, and we just ran with it. And I, it was a, definitely one of my favorite parts of my career for sure. I just love the attack, and you, know, you beat up Justin Roberts, and then you, you know, you beat up Cena. You hit the 450. I mean, it was just so cool. You tear up the ring, you tear up everything, and I just love how that whole thing went down. So before you guys kind of go out there. Do they say anything to you, like you know, like you know, just tear everything up, or you know, they give you specific yeah. instructions? No, like uh, Vince called us into his office. No one actually else knew about it. Just him calls his office and he goes, "Listen, this is what I want you guys to do." And we're like, uh, "Okay," and he's like, "Yeah, I want you to cut the ring up. There'll be like scissors somewhere. You know, like we were, we're like, can we get fire? Like he's like, just beat everything up. If there's a security guard, I want you to like rip his suit off. I'll pay for it." He goes, just do whatever you guys can. Just cause damage. I'll, I'll pay for it. And we're like, okay. Uh, which is ironic because then when Daniel Bryan did the choke tie, he got fired for that, which now somehow I think it's, it was part of the plan all along <laughs> without, <laughs> without us knowing. But, uh, yeah, like, we kind of just followed his instructions, you know, like he, he pulled us into his office, which we haven't, like, had much interaction with him up until that point. And he's like, this is what we're going to do. And we're like, okay, whatever. I mean, he's, he's the boss. He's a self-made billionaire. You know, like, he, he made that company into what it was. Like, we couldn't really vision it. I couldn't visualize it in the beginning. But, like, after he said it, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm just going to run with this and let's see what happens. And, yeah, it got a great response. I, I mean, I love that whole, obviously, that run got cut short. But, like, that was the most crazy time in my life, I I remember, like, walking out to the ring before, like, 10 seconds before Raw was going to go live on the air, and, like, you can just feel the energy and the rumbling in the stadium, like, every single arena that we went into. Yeah, that was crazy. Even, like, the even the the, the camera guys and, like, those guys that you never see on TV, you know, the, guy, the lighting guys, the crew guys that you never see. A lot of those guys have been there for 20, 30. There's a guy that's been there for 35 years. And you know, those guys all came up to us and were like, wow. That was the coolest thing I've seen since I've worked here, you know, and that, that made us feel good. It was definitely so different, especially so unique. Did you guys, when you, like, you know, they call you to Raw that day even before you meet with Vince, did you have any idea, like, what the plan was for you guys, or did you really have no idea that you guys were going to basically form a team? Yeah, no idea, no idea. Literally, like, uh, NXT Season 1 ended, and we were in, I think it was Miami, right? Yeah, it was in Miami. And uh, all of us lived in Tampa at that time. So we literally thought, you know, this is going to be our last show and we're going to go back to developmental. And that uh, that's, that was it for us. That's what we thought until we got called into the office. <laughs> I love kind of the way it all goes down. Obviously, the unpredictability of it, it, it helps. And the stuff you hadn't seen before, it was just like tearing everything apart. And then on top of it, you beat a punk, but Cena was the number one guy at that point. So it's kind of like you beat up him and you kind of elevate yourself into that main event level. Were you shocked? Like, wow, not only we're here at Raw, okay, we just know events are beating up everybody. Okay, we're beating up John Cena, the face of the company. Now we're basically in the main event. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty cool. I mean, a lot of us had different interactions and with, with Cena at the time. But uh, we didn't, like, focus too much on the I didn't anyway. I don't know what the other guys thought, but I was just like, okay, cool. They're inserting us here just to make an impact because, like you said, he was the number one guy at the time. And I was like, okay, this is how people are going to get talking. And then maybe they're just going to throw us into something else. That was my initial 
thoughts. But then, uh, you know, like obviously we built a storyline with him and on the live events, like months, I wrestled him every night and that's when it actually kicked in for me. I was like, oh man, I'm looking at main events right now. This is sick. <laughs> that is awesome. You know, whether you're you're winning or losing, but you know, you're still working main events with uh, John Cena. That's pretty cool. Did you yeah, feel a little bit, like maybe a little tinge or a little bit of uh, pressure that, you know, you're out there in the main event? With- I did, I did, oftentimes. But, you know, a lot of those, like I said, like 80% of those shows were live events, like not so it wasn't televised. And, uh, um, and not not to not to blow my own horn, but I was probably the, one of the stronger wrestlers, performer, in ring performers in the group. So they always had me do the matches. You know, like obviously if it was like a promo segment, it was always Wade, and you know everyone had that point. And not not that anyone's a bad wrestler, but I, I could I could have a good match with literally anyone on the roster. So they always put me in that position, which I was flattered too. But I was kind of like like taken back, and I was kind of like not shy, but I was I was like not sure like how far I could push it and what suggestions I could make to him and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it was a great time in my life and I learned a lot from it and I learned a lot from him. People didn't realize how good he really is. That's why he was the number one guy, whether you love him or hate him, you know, like he, he's just so good at what he does. He certainly knows what he's doing. He certainly knows how to get the crowd invested. He knows how to, whether you know, hate him or, or, or you're, you know, you're booing him or, or you're loving him. He definitely got the crowd invested I don't know if you'll remember this or not. When we talked to Heath Slater, he actually remembered it vividly, which was pretty cool. I was at an MSG house show basically in the summer, right before summertime. It's like when you guys were really hot and really heating up, and you guys actually came out through the crowd. But it was so interesting because MSG was almost like at a gas. Like, you know, they were like shocked, and then they went into like hyper energy mode where everyone was like, this is awesome. I believe you beat up Sheamus and, and Cena that night. Do you remember that night at MSG? That summer? I, uh, I, I don't I, I remember vividly. I don't remember who we beat up, but it's funny you said that. Now I now I remember, but I remember us sneaking in, into an ambulance too because MSG is the, you know, all the fans kind of like uh, get together where everyone parks and everyone comes in, so they, that's how they know who's on the show. But they actually snuck us into an ambulance so no one would know we were there. And, uh, yeah, so when we did come out, that's why everyone was just, like, so shocked. And the whole place kind of, like, went into shock. And then, like you said, like, just rambling. It was a, it was a pretty surreal feeling. Um, and I remember it for many different reasons. Because we snuck in with the ambulance. Because we sat in this little room until our segment was up. And I also remember the big paychecks we got. I was like, oh, man, this is, like, what the MSG paycheck looks like. <laughs> <laughs> That is great because not that MSU was struggling or anything, but I mean, there's always like a hot effort to beat. But at that point, uh, I, you know, I would go to a bunch of shows at MSU. It was like, you know, okay, some crowds are good, some, some crowds are bad. But that show sold out, and it was crazy, and there was such a fever pitch. Almost we were like kind of like waiting for you guys to show up. Then when you showed up, people were shocked, and then they just went crazy. It was so cool. It was so different. And you didn't see that a lot, especially at house shows. It almost had like a, a live TV kind of feel to it. It did, it did. And I feel like that whole year, that whole run of us was, was kind of like that. Like, we were starting out buildings, like, we were just, like, people were just, like, the energy was crazy, you know? Like, I've been into a lot of big matches where The Rock was and, and, and Austin and all those guys and, like, Manias and stuff like that. But that, that run we had, but maybe it was just because I wasn't going to part of it, but, like, it was surreal. Like, crowds were just, like, crazy, whether they loved us or hate us. It was just, like, you could feel the energy in the building. You know, and as performers, that's what we feed off of. So it was that, 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 that energy, and it was just surreal. I'll never forget that. Now, you know, that is so positive, but I do have to bring up a negative, and 
all your kind of counterparts agreed with me on this. SummerSlam that year, seven on seven, you guys should have won that match. Why the hell did the Nexus lose? They were so hot. It almost kind of killed the golden, you know, the goose that laid the golden egg there. It did, 100%. And everyone involved in that also realized that often that, you know, we were just too young. We were rookies. We should have fought for that and, like, politics or whatever the word is you want to use here. But we should have, like, trying to, you know, go without that feeling. The people just thought we were arrogant when we suggested it. And uh, even, even, like, even Edge and Jericho, they were like, no, no, like, this is the way it's supposed to go. And, you know, I can never say the names, but there was one person who had to get it go the other way, and, yeah, that just completely killed on the momentum. I, I mean, I, I still, like, look back and it's like, man, if they won that match, where do they go from there? It's like one of those things, it's like, why did they lose? It's so simple of the booking. They, you know, right. the heels should have won, and they got on, and they just kind of build themselves up. You think that that's one of those things that kind of, not killed Nexus because obviously we'd still keep going and and have a little bit of, of a shelf life left. But you think that was kind of the thing that kind of killed that juice or that energy that you guys had built up so greatly? Yes, totally. I, I think that and everyone else is part of that match and everyone that's part of the company and even the guy that, that had it changed. You know, even he the next day was like, man, I'm sorry. I should, this is the way we should have done it. Like everyone involved knew that that was that was wrong. But you know, like we can't. You cannot go back now. It's, it's a done deal. And they do, you know, they they do kind of keep Nexus going for a little bit longer. But I mean, damn, that was that was something. Just as a fan, you're just like, man, you they they missed something there. They they dropped the ball on that. I mean, you and Heath Slater, you guys do go on and win the tag titles, obviously more, more than once, three time tag champs, and you guys do kind of get a little bit of a push. But it's one of those things where can you ever kind of come back from that, or does it take a while after? A devastating loss like that. Yeah, you know, like it's hard to say. I mean, if, if we had one different, maybe we would have made it to a WrestleMania. I mean, Nexus didn't even have a Mania moment. That's how short of a run it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was less than a year, you know. And that's what makes me sad, really. Like, if, even if we just had like a Mania moment and there was a payoff at Mania, and then all that other stuff could have gone down. But that's what makes me the, the saddest. But yeah, it's it was uh, one of those things, you know. I mean, that wasn't the first time in that thing that happened, and I'm sure it'll happen again. <laughs> that is very, very true. <laughs> and eventually, you know, you, you do different things, obviously, the Nexus. Then they kind of try to create lightning in a bottle with the core, with you, um, Heath Slater, Ezekiel Jackson, and Wade Barrett. Did you kind of feel at that point, it's like, mm, they're trying, almost trying to recreate something you can't recreate? Yes, I did, and that's why it also came off like that on TV because all of us thought that, you know, like sometimes, you know, it's like if someone's having fun in the ring, like people can feel it, you, whether you know it or notice it immediately, you can feel it, you know, so, and that's how people, that's how we get emotionally invested into matches too because if people, the performers are into it, people will be into it, you know, they won't know why, they were just like, wow, I'm so intrigued and so attached to this, and I feel like all of us kind of knew that in the back of my mind, like, you know, so that's why that didn't come off too good. I mean, so we still had a like, decent run and, like, a lot of air time and stuff like that. But uh, we had no direction to, like, they were just like, here, you four guys are a group now. At least with, like, Nexus, we're like, this, you guys are kind of killers. You guys are, like, angry. You're pissed off. There was a lot of direction given to us. Cole was kind of just thrown together. and was like, here you go. You guys are just a team. Just do whatever. 
You know, and like the next day, they're like, you guys should have done this and this. And like, well, why are you guys tossing you on that? You know, like, it would be nice to, to have a little bit of direction. We could have done the, the best with it that we could. But it is what it is. Now, you know, in the run at WB, there's so many different things I could bring up. But I wanted to bring up something that I thought just much like the Nexus. When you and Tyson Kidd were put together, I was like, man, like, okay, here we go. Now this is something. Two good wrestlers. Two guys that could play off each other. They could do a ground game. They could do a little high flying. They could kind of mix it up. Do you think you and Tyson Kidd were kind of a you know a great team possibly that that they could have uh, gave a big push to? Yes, we were, and we were gonna. We were gonna be like the next rockers. I feel like that. Then um, I got hurt in Mania in Miami. I forget what year that was. Like I broke my arm, and then um, so that's when we just started our tag run. And then when I came back a few months later, uh, Tyson tore every single ligament in his knee. And I was, these, I think, 18 years of wrestling at that time, that was his first ever injury. So it was pretty big. And he was out for six months. And then he came back, and then something happened with me. I don't remember what it was. It was just, it was one of those timing things. We never got, like, a good start, you know, which was, which was kind of sad because both of us have never really been injured in our wrestling careers. And then at that time, like, injury after injury and timing issues. And, uh, yeah, I don't think we could have, Taking it. That was also a lot of fun, actually, I had in, the, in my wrestling career because I, I have so much respect for, for, for uh, TJ, and he's, he's a phenomenal wrestler, and he's got a great mind. You know, there's only a very few wrestling minds that, that can think and put together matches and storylines and stuff like that. And he's, next to Arn Anderson, he's, he's right up there, I think. He is great. And, you know, it's kind of a shame that he's not wrestling anymore, but he is. Um, an agent backstage, and obviously he lends a lot of help. And you know they, they have like leak matches. Now they'll they'll show you the agent. Somebody will get a hold of the script and they'll like they'll leak it, and you'll see you know it was a good match. You'll say oh he was the agent. Okay you know he probably helped put that together because he's a great mind for the business. Yep yep no totally. And uh, I think he's an agent right now, and he's, I think he'll have a job for life. Definitely, no doubt about it. Now, as we start to wind it down a bit, you are, obviously, you know, you're wrestling all around. We can see you in Lucha Underground. We can see you sometimes uh, going after the NWA title. Obviously, Nick Aldis no longer holds it. Cody Rhodes holds it. But, you know, we see you all around. As far as you, and I would like to preface this almost as the DDP, because it's kind of the way he referenced it, the, the five years question. Where do you see yourself in five years? Do you see yourself still wrestling? Do you see yourself... NWA title, Lucha Underground, WWE, kind of, where do you see yourself? Ooh, that's a good years? question. That's a very good question. I haven't really thought about that in a while. And, and it, like I said earlier, like things change all the time. Like like a year ago, um, I was out for for a whole year, actually, with a base jumping injury. I broke both my legs twice. And uh, the doctors told me that I'd never wrestle again. You know, and I was lying there, and I have a lot of backup plans, and I was starting to go through. I started a few businesses on the side, which is doing very well, by the way. But, like, you know, wrestling is always in my heart. Like, it'll always be in my blood. So I kind of, like, got back on the horse, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to prove all these doctors wrong. And I feel like I'm doing the best work of my life. I'm in the best shape of my life right now. And so in the back of my mind, I'm, like, thinking, I want one more run, like a good run, whether it's in the WWE or any other TV company, or maybe it's not just on the Indies, because, like, you can make something really big right now, even if you're an independent wrestler. So I feel like I, I definitely have one good run in me, um, only time will tell, um, I don't know, if I could guess five years from now, five years, let's see, um, probably, hello, 
Yes, still here. Oh, sorry. I'm told my phone died. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess WWE. I'd say because um, my body feels good right now, so I'm gonna push it as long as I possibly can. Um, I, I keep telling myself, I'm like, no, I'm gonna retire in my early 40s, but it's gonna be hard for me to walk away from wrestling. <laughs> And, you know, you mentioned kind of injuries and stuff. Have you had more injuries outside of wrestling or, or inside the ring? Um, I've actually, I've only been injured just at once in, in the ring and maybe a few minor injuries here and there, which I was out maybe for three or four weeks. It's, uh, it's more out of the ring <laughs> that I get injured. <laughs> Is that like skydiving, base jumping? I mean, you, you do do a lot of extreme sports and stuff. What's kind of been the the big injury? I know. Is that true? You, you, I know you broke a finger and broke some leg. Yeah, I, lo- I lost I lost a piece of my finger, which uh, oh. they managed to sew back on, uh, which was phenomenal because the ninety nine percent out of the time, if they said like the, if it's just the tip of the finger, it's not saveable. Uh, they put a little steel pin in there and they managed to save it back. And after about twelve months of rehab, the nail kind of grew back. It, it, I mean, it, it'll never be pretty again, but uh, it's, it's back. I have uh, two steel plates in my leg. I have 27 screws in my leg. Um, yeah, that's, that was the, the main base jumping injury I had. And it took me, I was in the hospital for six months. Not a lot of people realize this. And I was out for 12 months. It took me 10 months before I could even walk. And I had to relearn how to walk, relearn how to run, jump. And then... I got back into the ring and it, everything hurts so bad for the first few months. But the last, for the last like four or five months, I've been pain-free. That's why I've been pushing the limits again in the ring. I completely changed up my style. I'm doing like a submission-based style where I kind of like a fit for me in the early 90s. Cause, I mean, that's my passion. I love people think I'm a, I'm a high flyer and I am, and I, I just happen to be good at it, but like I really love submission wrestling and holes and, and brawling and stuff like that. That's like really my passion. I still do the full fifty and I still do a lot of high flying moves. I mean I did a bunch last weekend at Shikara because that's the style. But uh I it was kinda like cool for me to evolve my, my character, my wrestling character into something new and I still do I will still do a little crazy stuff but like it's just a it's a completely different side of me. I feel like you know like everyone should have layers, you know, because as wrestling evolves they should evolve and I feel like that's because of my injuries. I had to like force myself to, to show this different side of me. Absolutely makes perfect sense, and I like that you, you know you said Chris Finley and that submission style, and, and that kind of you know different kind of changing up and almost evolving as you get older and kind of get used to it. Do you think that style also is good kind of to save your body a little bit from from all that high flying? It is. It definitely is. And especially that now that I'm like 15, 20 pounds heavier than, than I was when I was in WWE. I've kind of like become a body guy. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I still, I, I hit a springboard for 50 this weekend. I mean, I still always do that because I love it. Um, but I, I, I try to focus more on the other style um, just because I love it. I, I really do enjoy it. There's so much more you can do with holes. I mean, you know, it's kind of like a lost art. I mean, there's only one guy in the Indies right now, Zack Sabre Jr., who kind of does that style. So someone my size who does that style, I think it brings like a, a completely different uh, feeling to it. And and again, I'm I'm always going to be that high fly. I'm always going to have those boobs. But I I feel like when I do whip it out, people are like, oh, we can still do that. Like, <laughs> um, but that's that's I mean, kind of having fun right now. It's like just doing different things. People are like, oh, I didn't really do it. 
wrestle. Like, I had Chavo Guerrero come up to me the other day, and he was like, man, I didn't know you can, like, actually, like, wrestle, wrestle. And I was like, yeah, dude. Like, I, I, just because I never do it doesn't mean I cannot do it. <laughs> kind of uh, insulting almost. Like, I didn't know you could wrestle. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. It was insulting, but it, it was kind of, like, uh, uh, fascinating at the same time because he was he was kind of, like, shocked, you know. He was kind of, like, giving me a compliment. And, I mean, then he kind of, like, found out where I'm from and, like, you know, like, my, my pops was a wrestler and all that stuff. And so he, he understands because he's been in the – he grew up in the business too. So he's like, okay. Because, I mean, he can do a lot of stuff that he never does either. So he was like, oh, okay, I, I get it now. Pretty cool. It's almost a backhanded compliment, but uh, pretty cool <laughs> that he that he's noticing. So you know, you've had so many great matches and, and so many possibly you know future great matches. But as far as in the past, do you have some favorite matches that stick out more than others? I do. I have quite a few actually. Um, when uh, when I started back on the Indies, I had a couple of dream matches that I wanted to get through, and uh, one of the first ones was AJ Styles right before he got signed. Um, and, and again, that, that match is on YouTube, on my YouTube channel somewhere. And we didn't plan anything. We literally just went in there, freestyled, and told us that it'll be one of my favorite matches ever. Then I had a really, on season three of Lucha Underground, there's a match of me and Rey Mysterio. That, I mean, obviously, Rey Mysterio is an idol of mine and probably every other kid in the world, too. So when I got to work him and he was doing all these stuff that he used to do in ECW and WCW, you know, that was. I was, I was like a little kid again. And then the week right after that, too, probably my favorite match of all time of myself was me versus Prince Puma, uh, uh, Ricochet right now. And that was like back-to-back on, on Blue those were the, Those were three matches that stood out. And obviously there was like here and there. There was one against like Cena on the live event. Maybe like some superstar matches and stuff like that. But uh, personally, those were three very, very close matches to my heart. NFCW, I, I mean, obviously... You had uh, great matches with Heath Slater. You were the tag champ with uh, Brian Cage. I mean, you did a lot of stuff in FCW. We kind of glanced over that. But I did want to mention that it is weird sometimes when, with WWE guys. Like, where do the names come from? Like, you're, you're Justin Angel, and then you're Justin Gabriel. I'm always just curious. Like, I know it kind of started in FCW, but where do those names actually come from? Do you actually make them up? Or is there some sort of WB name generator out there? A uh, bit of both. Sometimes it's the writers will come up with a character and they want someone to play it. Sometimes they don't have any ideas for you and you kind of come up with things. Uh, in my case, and the NXT, well, the NXT guys, we just were told to think up of a name that doesn't sound anything like your name. So basically, I made a list of names that I liked, first names and last names. I put them all together and I came up with Justin Angel. I kind of like that at the time, um, and then when NXT started, Vince actually changed it to Gabriel without me knowing. Like I literally just found out when they announced me to the ring. That's when I found out they changed it. It turns out Vince is friends with Chris Angel. Um, you know, so I, I, I hated the name obviously for the first year or two. I, I hated it, and even if I go back now, I don't, I don't think I'll ever use that name ever again. I feel like Justin Gabriel is dead, <laughs> even though more people know him. Like you know, I was like, think about it. I was only Justin Gabriel for six years. I was PJ Black for 15 years, and more people will know. But I feel like after this run, I think more people will know PJ Black, the name PJ Black, I think. Now, this is kind of, I'm going to say favorite opponents, but almost kind of like underrated opponents that you've had. It's almost like something that we should go out 
and watch that we wouldn't necessarily say, oh, you know, like you said, Ray Mysterio, you know, we were, we're going to want to watch that yeah. and think that, of course, it's great, you know, AJ Styles. But there's, there's some matches out there. It could be FCW or, or wherever it could be, uh, maybe on the independent scene or the international scene. There's some opponents you've had that it's almost like you go out of your way to see this stuff you wouldn't necessarily think of. Uh, you mean matches that I've been in or just games yeah. that I like yep. to watch? No, but uh, matches you've been in. Oh, yeah, quite a few. I mean, I, I lost track, like, so many guys in the independence that I've worked on. And if you go to my YouTube page, you can just type in youtube.com slash tjblack450, and I actually do upload a bunch of my favorite ones on there. There's a bunch of my favorite matches on there. My first ever match up post-WWE, which also makes my top five, is on there against Ricochet. Um, but again, yeah, Ricochet, like you said, is a great talent. But there's a couple of under-the-radar matches here and there. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. There's a couple of I did in Toronto. I don't remember the kid's name. Um, <laughs> but there's a couple of good matches. And Actually, one of my all-time favorite matches, now that I think about it, was against Hunico on a Superstars uh, show. I'm actually going to see if I can pull that up on the network and see if I can maybe do a little review on it or, I don't know, somehow pull it on my on my YouTube channel. I don't know, but like that was... You know, like we always look back in real on our own worst critics. You look at matches back and you're like, oh, I should have done this differently. I should have changed this. But that was one mm-hmm. match that I looked back and I'm like, I wouldn't have changed a thing in that match. I wish it was like on, on Raw or SmackDown at the time. I think it was on Superstars. But uh, that was one of the few matches that, uh, that I was like, hmm, it was perfect. <laughs> that is great. Now I'm going to have to go out of my way and try to find that. That's pretty damn cool because – that's not even something I would think of. Think of like, oh, maybe you know, this promotion, or even like try to find some Chikara stuff or whatever. But that is great, Hunico. Hmm. You never know some of those hidden gems that are on superstars and you know, main event and stuff like that. Oh man, I really wish that one day they'd bring out a best of superstars main event DVD because there was so many good matches. I remember when I just started getting on the road. One of my favorite matches that I've ever seen was Evan Bourne versus John Morrison, and that was like a two seg match on superstars, you know, like we had a little bit of free free reign in, on those shows and they just went all out and it's still to this day one of my favorite all time matches. So I really hope that they put together like a best of D V D or even make maybe just to a network special or something so people can kinda of relive those moments. That would be great. Now, as far as you and kind of what you're doing what are you up to, like, today? I know, obviously, you know, you just wrestled your car, but what are you kind of up to in the not-so-distant future? Obviously, you're going to have some wrestling bookings coming up, but what are you up to, and, and business ventures as well? Yeah, I uh, I mean, obviously, I, a while back, I didn't think I was going to wrestle forever, so I set up a few business adventures with uh, my girlfriend. I'm busy at, um, releasing a... Um, CBD is like a pain medication line with a CBD and stem cells and stuff like that under my under the Dayward brand. I'm busy. The formula's already done. I'm just just busy with the labels and stuff like that. And I have a few other projects that I do. Um, I, I mean, I, I have the option to become a professional skydiver too if I wanted. You know, get like maybe like a Red Bull sponsor or something like that and do that full time. And I feel like maybe maybe I will do that eventually, but. Uh, so right now, yeah, I'm just focusing on the, on the wrestling stuff. And uh, I'm also trying to set up a bunch of different shows internationally. Like in my home country of South Africa, there's a bunch of up-and-coming kids down there. So I want to set up a, a few wrestling schools to train those kids, to you know, to teach them everything I've learned over the few years and 
Um, there's a, a potential TV deal that we have there and also in India that, we, that I've been working on very extremely hard. And uh, we should know some answers in the next couple of weeks on that. All right. Awesome. And then one final thing is where can the fans reach out and touch you? Social media, YouTube, where can the fans kind of reach out, touch you, feel you, see you, whatever? You know, where can the fans kind of... Uh, yes, I'm, I'm very active on social media, especially on Instagram. But if you go to my website, pjblack.com, uh, all my social links will be there, my social media links to the, to the my Facebook page, my Instagram, my Twitter, my YouTube page, and my cool merch on there. There's a there's a, a, a fitness blog that I just started on there. There's a wrestling blog on there. There's a bunch of cool licensed merch you can buy on there. And, uh, yeah, just all my social media links will be on there, pjblack.com. Awesome stuff. Well, PJ, thank you so much for coming on. I, I really appreciate all the time you gave us and some awesome stories and awesome insight as well because uh, you're a very creative guy with a great mind for the business. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, I, I guess that's what you get if you grow up in the business, but I appreciate you saying that. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.